Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We will be tackling this whole situation at the moment about our own government. It's a mess. An absolute and utter unadulterated mess. As we speak, Tara mentioned the news of Beauty Salon in Balbriggan opened today because the woman felt she couldn't go on anymore. She felt that her business was in tatters, in ruins. She couldn't survive anymore with her business closed because she seen no light at the end of the tunnel and she reopened. The UK have seen a 337% increase today in holiday bookings. Why, you're saying? Why? Well, if you haven't been watching the news, of course, Boris Johnson gave hope to the people of the UK yesterday by stating the changes in his phased plans and he gave dates that he's making will be, and he used the word, irreversible. Um, Just to give you a heads up on what they're doing in the UK, from the 8th of March, all schools will open. Two people can meet outdoors. Not only that, they are removing the legislation that makes it illegal to leave your home or area. In other words, they're still asking people to stay at home as of the 8th of March, but they're removing the legislation, which means the police won't be harassing people anymore. On the 29th of March, outdoor gatherings up to six or two households, outdoor facilities, travel outside your local area will all be allowed. 12th of April, outdoor hospitality, non-essential retail, self-contained holiday accommodation, in other words, uh, staycations will be allowed. 17th of May, outside, they're leaving four weeks between each one to make sure everything is okay, but they are irreversible. Uh, They may get delayed, he said, by a week, but they are irreversible. 17th of May, outside, social contact rules lifted six people or two households mix, indoor hospitality in hotels, pubs and all that kind of thing allowed. 21st of June, all off the table. 21st of June is the D-Day in the United Kingdom. After that, they said they will have a review in relation to international travel and it looks like August may be the time for that review. They said it would take two to four weeks. So after, that's why people today are online booking their holidays to Crete and to all sorts of places. Of course, they'll have to have the PCR test and everything else uh, for August. In Ireland, what have we got? Meanwhile, Michal Martin and Stephen Donnelly are sending mixed messages to journalists and English newspapers about the fate of the Irish people and the future of our economy. We're hearing that we're stuck in this draconian limbo until at least table the 5th with no possibility of relaxation of these restrictions on our lives, mental health, jobs, businesses and non-COVID-related illness. The short-sightedness of this plan or lack of plan by the Irish government, many will say, is costing lives in many other ways than COVID-19. One person died yesterday. And indeed, we don't know the circumstance of that one person. Condolences to their family and everybody involved that one person. But for all we know, that could be a very elderly person who's at the end of their life. And they may have tested positive for COVID-19. We don't know. The num- we need transparency in that department as well, by the way. The number of people on hospital waiting lists could soon hit a record one million amid mounting concern about the impact of COVID-19 on delayed treatment and care for routine illness. And this has emerged yesterday. The most recent figures show that January showed 862,000 people. Nearly a million people are now waiting for an appointment to see a doctor about a non-COVID-related illness. That is a massive jump since last year. Why? Because we've closed everything down. Simple as that, really, isn't it? Vaccination is moving at a snail's pace compared to our UK counterparts with 219,000 first doses and only 130,000 people have been fully vaccinated according to the COVID app today and with no suggestion of increasing hours or venues for the vaccination. It will take us until next year to get through the population that needs to be vaccinated or want to be vaccinated at this stage. 
It is hoped that the Leaving Cert students, along with children, junior infants, senior infants, first class and second class, will resume uh, classes on March the 1st. However, Stephen Donnelly cast doubt over that last night on Clare Byrne when he said it wasn't a done deal. Yet Josepha Madigan said yesterday it was a done deal. Are they actually communicating with each other anymore? Or are they only communicating with journalists as they feel they need to? Now, it is suggested that Micheál Martin will speak today, but even that's unclear. And normally these things are very clear when it comes to the media. They will tell us when they're going to be speaking. We don't know. But what is clear is he won't be giving any dates. And all he'll do is most likely trot out the same old lines. Hold firm, stay safe. We're all in this together. That's all wearing a little bit thin now at this stage, to be honest, which it really isn't it. I want to see an end to normal law-abiding, law-abiding citizens being treated like they're in World War Two and questioned and abused for travelling in their own country. I watched a video yesterday of a man at Dublin Airport who was dragged from his car and handcuffed. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a bit dramatic. I think he was being a bit dramatic too. Now, let me be clear, I don't know what was said to the guards or what he said to the guards. There was a suggestion from a friend that he had, didn't cooperate with the guard when he was asked why he was collecting somebody from the airport. Seemingly, he was collecting somebody at the airport and he wouldn't cooperate and say, what flight or whatever. Anyway, they pulled him out of the car, pinned him to the ground, knelt on his back, put handcuffs on him. No matter what he did, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have these draconian rules. A normal law-abiding citizen, most likely. He didn't look like somebody who was out to cause problems, to be honest with you. But he ended up in handcuffs being arrested. They have zero respect for the general public, the politicians in general. They have no respect for you because if they did, they would be doing what they're doing in the UK and they would be giving us some light at the end of the tunnel. People are suffering all over the country with their mental health. Then we had the wonderful story of the two doctors who rescued a dog from the Dublin mountains. You heard the story? It was beautiful, wasn't it, about two weeks ago? Wonderful. You know, that kind of nice story in the middle of all the storm. And now we hear the Gardaí are investigating the couple because they were outside their 5K, or possibly outside their 5K. We don't know. We have to wait for the Gardaí investigation. Why? <clears throat> Because some sad, miserable, lonely, horrible person reported them. That's why. And the guards have to be seen to be doing something. And do, I, I mean, look, we're all turning on each other at this stage. I saw Noel Boyle and he was outside his 5K. I saw him the other day. I, do you know what? I met my son yesterday. Uh, he was collecting stuff off me. I had him in the boot of my car. So he came over here to the radio station outside. Uh, and he collected. And... When I meet my son, I always give him a hug and I always give him a kiss uh, on the forehead. He can the lips right like that. And when I went to hug him and give him, you know, he came over to me and leaned in, you know, as your son does. Now, he's 20 bloody four, right? He leaned in and I always give him a little bit of a hug. He's a very gentle kind of guy. And I looked around me. Isn't this awful? I looked around to see was anybody looking. Like, is it all right to hug your own son? What? A, I mean, I did hug him. I don't care if somebody thinks that's breaking the rules. I did hug him. And by the way, he was within his 5K. He lives in the city centre. He was in his 5K. But in saying that, I still had to look around. What sort of world are we living in where I have to look around to see if anybody's watching me hugging my own son? So I want to know if you think the Irish government are doing enough. Do they actually know what they're doing anymore? Did you watch Stephen Donnelly on Clare Byrne last night? He was smug. He smirked. I don't believe they know what they're doing anymore. I believe there's, 
Pat and Tobin said yesterday, they wake up every morning and stick their finger in the air and see which way the wind is blown. Let me know what you think. Do you have faith in the Irish government to complete the task of getting us out of COVID-19? Do you have faith in them? That's the question I'm asking you today. And if you have, if you're hiding behind the sofa at home and you think they're doing the right thing, I want to hear from you too. But if you're not and you're sick of all this and all you've got to see is look around you. People are back out again. They're traveling outside their 5K. Complacency's kicking in because people are exhausted and they're tired of this. Let me know what you think. Do you have faith in the Irish government? Somebody says, no, they haven't brought in the quarantining yet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Sure, we're at the end of it, so to speak, now. If the quarantine would have been acceptable at the very start, it would have been something that would have been good going back to last March. What's the point of bringing it in now? Sure, it's nearly over, for God's sake. Well, I hope it is. Let me know what you think. The number is 87 8 That's 87 8 Do you have faith in the Irish government? Siobhan, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Siobhan? Hey, you know, how's it going? Sorry, I had a little bit of a rant there, a little bit of a moment, Siobhan, you know. I think I might have one myself. Yeah, go have a moment there. You go on and have a moment. Go on well, if you want to. to be honest with you, from the word go, I mean, I know in the beginning when this started out, it was it hit everybody blindsided. Nobody really knew what was going on and you could accept the mistakes in the beginning. Of course. Like, I mean, the things like, you know, the, the letting all the people come in for the rugby match, um, not having Cheltenham, the rugby match, but letting them come that, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cheltenham thing, all that kind of stuff. You, you kind of say, right, okay, you know, we should have. But we were, we are an island. And I know there's the kind of the added complexity, if you like, of the north being, you know, jurisdiction in a different jurisdiction, say. So yeah. but at the same time, we're an island. We should have been able, like, look at, look at New Zealand, look at Australia. Like, you know what I mean? We should have been able to contain this they've contained it and we were small we should have been able to contain it they should have just stopped travel literally stopped it unless it was absolutely essential like you're talking about doctors or something like that coming in or out but i don't believe any business you actually physically have to be somewhere unless you're a doctor or doing something like that kind of thing so they should have stopped it back then and then you look at they've compounded the thing they're going we're going into level five no it's level four we send out a brochure and we'll tell you all the different things then no no hang on a minute we're going to change that we're going to make a little few nuances no actually that's not going to work we'll do this no sorry hang on a minute this kind yeah, of le- thing level 4.2 <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah we didn't like that we're going to we're a different one and then like I mean you look at it like in terms of the children going to school they're going they're not going they're doing their leaving cert they're not doing it do you know what I mean like, it's a mess isn't it you, you, you kind of say to yourself like seriously lads can you not like get one decision right like can you not make any decisions at all like, I mean, I've, I've been watching England, and of course, we're very similar types of countries. I mean, obviously, they've been hit hard because they have a slightly older population than we have. So they were obviously going to have more deaths, too. But in saying that, I mean, I, I don't agree with everything Boris Johnson does. I, I'm not a fan of Boris Johnson's, but I, I certainly was a fan of his speech yesterday. And the words that got me was irreversible. So what he has done is he's saying, this is what we're doing. Here's the dates. Here's what you have to look forward to. And they know now on the 21st of June, come hell or high water, that they will be back to almost normality. And that's based, of course, on them, their vaccine rollout has been successful. And I mean, they were doing it in community centres halls. When asked yesterday, the head of the HSC yesterday morning on Clareburn, were they planning on expanding it to community halls and uh, more GPs offices? No. Were they expanding, expanding in the hours because they do 12 hours saying the helix at the moment giving out vaccines? No, we're not planning to expand that. You would imagine this would be a 24 hour a day thing to list done. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what, like, they're going on saying we have to deal with this. Like, you look at, as I said before, I've been on your show before and I've said this, I feel like I'm on a soapbox about it, but you look at this and you kind of see what are they saving people for at the end of the day? Because by the time they're finished, there'll be no economy. 
people will have serious mental health issues, not to mention all the people that are all the other things like the cancer and stuff like well, that. I was shocked, Jesse. Eight, nearly a million people now on a waiting list because of COVID. And Neffet had the they made some lunacy statement on Sunday at the Sunday Times that their restrictions and lockdowns won't end until we get the waiting list down. Uh, are they not thinking straight because it's the waiting lists or it's COVID and the restrictions yeah, and the lockdowns yeah. that's causing the waiting lists yeah. to go but that's what you, said, but yeah, you have to look at it and again like, just, I mean I am not for one minute saying that you know God anybody who died that is an absolute Absolutely. tragedy to have Absolutely. that and that is but unfortunately, that is the nature of this thing. That, you know, that and, people and this are is what was die. said yesterday in the Houses of Parliament. Boris Johnson did say, and he, I'm paraphrasing, so because I can't remember exactly the quote he made, but he suggested that look, people are going to die, even when this is finished on the 21st of June. People are going to continue to die and continue to get COVID nineteen, and elderly and vulnerable people will still die as they do of other illnesses and everything else. And he said we need to stop focusing so much on that. You know that that we have to accept that it's part of life as human beings that we we're not fa- infallible. We are fallible. Yeah. You know that we do get viruses and we do get illnesses. And and thankfully, by the way, COVID is not one of the more serious illnesses that human beings get. A third of us die of cancer. Which that's something we we could spend a lot of money on and probably save exactly. a lot of people. Uh, so in saying that, they're, they're accepting that there's nothing more they can do, so to speak. Well, I think you have to kind of balance it out and say, like, you know what I mean, that you can't do a legislation for the few over the many. many. Do you know what I mean? And that's what you really have to look at. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a mother who's 80 and I would die if anything happened to her myself. Like, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't like her to get it. Did she get her vaccination? Or any of my... She's waiting on it. She's waiting. She's been ringing the surgery and she's waiting. She's been told she'll be getting it in two weeks, but we have to wait and see. But like she, like most of the older people, like, you know, you have a situation, like, I mean, where you've older people who are literally terrified to leave the houses you have a sad situation where somebody does die because of this pandemic and then you can't even have people going to their funeral to say goodbye to themselves like as if you just disappeared off the earth as if you didn't matter and you know what that's something we are going to regret when we look back at this time in future history I, I hope very soon we're going to look back and say we let so many people let their loved ones die alone miserable exactly. and lonely and isolated and we're going to regret this I mean I, I, I don't see why you there isn't a provision to be able to deal you know you, I would put PPE on me from head to toe and back oh, yeah. again Has if, I, if yeah. I thought I'd wear a bloody armour suit if that's what I needed but I said there's no excuse for not allowing people to, to have to that to hold the hand of the father exactly, or mother as they die and you yeah. know what I mean and mm. that's their last chance to see them and these are the kind of things that are going to stick with people and that and that's why I think you don't have the public population the population um, the popularity should I say of it for these kind of things because they're looking at these measures and they're kind of going like you know this is not something you can go back well we'll do it again when this is all over like this is it like you know what I mean this this is the last chance you will get to see somebody or maybe somebody doesn't get to see their baby being born. I mean, these are things you can't take back. You know, you can't do you, do you we, think, we redo it. Do you think Michal Martin and Stephen Donnelly, who are the ones making all the decisions at the moment, do you believe they have the people's best interests at heart? No, because I really don't think, like, you know what I mean, that you, you have to look at this and you have to you have to be a bit more pragmatic about it. You have to see, you know, that all these draconian measures, as you say, like, you know, everybody, and I don't care who it is, everybody's been affected by this mentally in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form. You're stuck in your house. As you say, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a funny video going on that went into my family group where tiny little tots and it looks like everything they look at is a hand sanitizer because that's the way they're going to grow up thinking that everything, like, this is a whole, it's a whole culture that's going to be there. Like, just, I mean, now, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's a bad no. thing to be sanitizing yeah. your hands. But you I know, know yeah. Mean? that's the way you're going to be like the the way we look at life is going to change and that's going to be you know detrimental 
responsible for a lot of things. Like, as I said, there'll be also there'll be businesses that won't open up again. You know, and as that poor woman said today, like, you know what I mean? I'd say you're probably going to get a lot more people probably doing that. They're just going, we live. Which I think, I don't, now I don't know if she's been arrested or whatever, but you heard Sarah mention the news. I know um, Ashling was looking at it before the break there, but there was a few people there and a couple of reporters and what have you, and the police were there. So I know they've closed her business again. Uh, and I, and I, mean, I do feel sorry want? for them. I do feel sorry for all these business owners. But I mean, you look at it, I mean, the pandemic payment is not going to cover no, it's not. somebody who's lost a serious salary. Like, do you know what I mean? You well, know, the business they've worked up. on all their lives and built yeah. all their lives and now it's destroyed. But look, I have to go to break. Thank you very much indeed, Siobhan. Loads and loads of people texting in. Now, do you remember that saying, come hell or high water regarding the leaving cert was to go ahead last year? And then look what happened, says Paul. You're right, Paul. It didn't go ahead. So they kept saying, oh, that's right. The minute the previous minister said, oh, no, it'll happen. I'll come to Sarah straight after the break. I want to hear your thoughts. The number is 087 do you have faith in the Irish government? Again, I hate to make this about public and private sector, but just while the uh, ads are on there, news just coming in, the Irish Independent there, the country's 340,000 public service are now in line for a pay hike of up to 3% in a two-year wage deal, backed overwhelmingly by the unions today. Of course it was. So while one set of the people financially are doing okay out of this, uh, there's another set of people, probably half the working population in the private sector, are not doing so well, and they're losing everything. No, we're not all in this together, really, are we? Sarah, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Sarah? Hi, Niall. Um, Niall. Go ahead. My, I don't think the government are doing anything for us, especially the Minister for Education, a special educational minister. Our kids in mainstream schools are suffering and they're left behind. Mm-hmm. There, is no, there is no reason in the world. I'm a frontline worker. I go to work every day. I have precautions. I haven't got COVID. I still empathise and sympathise with the people that have COVID. But these teachers are blowing this out of proportion completely. Mm-hmm. There's the no, teachers, I, I completely agree with you. There's no reason my kids can't go back to school. There's no reason in the world. And I fully agree with Boris Johnson, what he said yesterday. I wouldn't agree with him normally, but he is right. We have to live with this. We have to get on with this. Waiting lists were here before COVID. Mm-hmm. Waiting lists are only going to get longer and longer with COVID. Well, that's exactly what's happening. They're up nearly 100,000 on last year. Yeah. yeah. Like, there is no reason for these children with special educational needs that attend main, mainstream school. They are being left behind. I know for a fact. I have a daughter of a special educational need. She's been left behind. I am blue in the face, emailing Foley and Madigan. Absolutely blue in the face. Do, no do you think, do you think Sarah, do you think they care? No, they don't care because they're going to be out of government. Their children are still going to be in school when they're finished in government. And they have their pension. Yes. They're not going to care if their child can't read or write or is left behind. I mean, Boris Johnson has given a date of the 8th of March that all schools um, will be open. Mm. um, And all children back in schools. Yeah, we're thrown from limbo. We're thrown from Jimmy to Jack. We do not know what's going on. We have no communication. I have no communication from the school in regards to my but, child. But you've no. But, but see, me. you're saying you've no communication. We're in the media, and we're we're hearing from other journalists what Mihal Martin or Stephen Donnelly said. There is no public announcements. When was the last time Mihal was on the telly? Nothing. It's a shame. It's an absolute embarrassment to say these clowns are running this country. All they're doing is running it into the bloody ground. And they're taking their most vulnerable people with them. And you yourself, I mean, you say you're a frontline worker. I don't, I don't want to know where you work no. or what you work yeah. at. That's your own business. But how are you handling this? I mean, 
obviously, like me, I suppose you're in a lucky situation where you still have a schedule, so you still get to go out and what have you. Still have routine, yeah. You still have routine, but there's so many people in this country who have mortgages, bills, and everything else, and they're on exactly, 300, yeah. 300 quid. And that would be very yeah. difficult. And they have to be taxed on this as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but how how are you feeling yourself? I mean, I, I, I think everybody just wants a light. Look, if we were even told the 21st of June, I think it at least would be something you know, to put on the calendar. Yeah, we've yeah. something to work towards. Boris is right, we've something to work, work towards. This is irreversible. But our government can't seem to get this into their heads. They just cannot. Like, we, what does it take? We now have, I think Ireland officially have the longest and strictest lockdown in Europe in the last kind of 12 months. Sense. It's not doing anything, only causing further damage to people, and especially the most vulnerable, mm. the elderly and kids with disability. It's very unfair. Those in government won't care in three or four years' time. They'll be gone with their full pension. These people are still left suffering. Do you have, any, do you have any faith in Micheál or Stephen Donnelly? No, I, no. no. Stephen Donnelly, not a hope. Not a hope. Do you think he's sincere? No. Do you think he considers when he's making decisions in no. relation to public health? No. Do you think he considers your mental health and your life? No. No. No, not one bit. None of them do. Not one of them do. Foley, Madigan, the whole lot of them. They're all in the one boat. It's all about them and lining their pockets. They won't care in a couple of years' time. They won't be in government to pick up the pieces of the people that are left suffering. And how's your mental health? My mental health is at breaking point at the moment due to the schools and my little child because she is being neglected. Mm. No, I know, I know. My daughter is being neglected. 110% neglect from the government and her own school. And how many children have you got, by the way? I have three. Okay, and so you're homeschooling them, obviously, like everybody else at the moment. Yeah, well, it's only one, the other two are older, but it's only yeah. herself. She can't work remotely. She can't participate in and you're, and you're not And you're not a school teacher, so that's not no. your, You know what I mean? You're, you're not no. qualified. No, no more than I am to teach But I don't child. think the ones that are qualified either, some of them, not them all, but some of them, should not be in the positions they're in either. I have a special needs child with a dual diagnosis, where... The CNO of my school was rang and told my daughter does not need support, hence all the reports and recommendations we have for her. Who gives this person the authority to do that? Mm. Well, I know I've been, I've been down that road with my own daughter many years ago, of course, when she, was, when she struggled a bit more uh, yeah. and dealing with the CNO, as you call it, who, who are the ones, yeah. for those who don't know, they distribute the hours yeah, uh, of s hours and, and special needs assistance hours, etc., etc., uh, so they they just they just dish out the hours. They essentially yeah. the Sino gets a number of hours and he has to distribute. They yeah. or she or she have yeah. or he or she has to but distribute them. For this principle, now my child is non-verbal in school. Okay, yeah. So she does not need support. Please explain that to me. How does a child with special educational needs and non-verbal not need support? Of course, she needs support. She can no. In black and white, she can communicate through another eight-year-old child, and that eight-year-old child can take my daughter's needs. To the teacher. So, in other words, the, eight, the other eight year old is the SNA essentially. When does the Department oh, of Education Jesus. start employing eight year old children? I know, I know. That's outrageous. That's pretty outrageous. Like you, you see this as outrageous. I see it as outrageous, but this principal seems to think this is fine. That's her buddy. Yeah, I know. I know. That's awful. And, and, and by the way, there's a whole show 
in you know how they distribute the hours and oh, we need, and we need more of these hours for children who have special needs there's a whole show in relation to that as well but the very idea that we're not those children are not in school they are regressing and we know that they are regressing. My yeah. She can't participate in the classroom calls. She doesn't get any one-to-one. There's no contact from the school ringing to see if she's okay. The timetable sent out on a Sunday evening for the whole class, my child included. It's not differentiated in any way for her or for her needs. Well, I suppose the mess yesterday was, Josephine Madigan said, of course, the plan was in place and it was a deal done in relation to the school's opening, uh, well, for special education, etc., etc., and then, then obviously, and the younger kids and leaving cert. And now, of course, Stephen Donnelly threw its banner in the works last night and said the deal wasn't done. Now, he's come out again today and said he's changed his mind again. So, I see that, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's like Lionel Hardy. You just couldn't make it up. He couldn't lie his way out of a paper bag. It just, it's just, you know, it's a comedy show. It's an absolute comedy show. Okay, we'll stay there for a second. Let me just go to Joanne. Joanne, you're on Classic Hits. Aiden, Joanne. Hi, Nile. I just feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a day of government bashing, but unfortunately that's what it's about at the moment because people just don't seem to have faith in them anymore, Joanne. No, absolutely. Um, the reason I, I rang you today and I threatened that I'd ring every radio station to be totally honest with you, um, I watched Stephen Donnelly last night on Clareburn and he seemed to insinuate that Meat factory workers were being kind of bumped up the list for vaccines. Mm-hmm. From what I took from what he said now. And I was sitting there thinking of my brother. He's in hospital now since last Friday week, which is, what, 11 days? Yep. They rang his wife yesterday. She hasn't seen him now since he went in. They diagnosed him stage four lung and brain cancer. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I am devastated. Absolutely mm-hmm. devastated. He's only 59. Um, yeah, so she can't going to visit him. They haven't allowed, like, she told him she doesn't want them to tell him. She wants to be the one to tell him. And, so she, can't, and she can't get in to see him? She can't get in to see him, no. She comes all the mm. way up. I mean, we're in the city in Cork. She comes up from far out in Fermoy, drops his bag with King PJs to the porter, and they bring it up to him. Isn't that awful? Um, yeah, and I just sat there and I said, oh my God, it's cruelty to what they're doing. It is cruelty. It is cruelty. And, and I was just sitting there saying, so they're going to bump up meat factory workers, people that are bumping I don't, I know, I don't know, I, I didn't actually say it, but I don't think that was exactly what he said. I think there was a suggestion of different sectors, you know, of them changing the sectors in relation to the yeah. vaccine to make things work a little bit better. And I think that was one of the things that was mentioned to him. Now, I, I don't know if that's exactly what, what he was going to say. Well, suggest. that's what I picked up. Yeah. And then okay, I well, that's there the, and yeah, I said, maybe that's the way you picked up. They could bail the banks out overnight. Yeah. Overnight. And it's taken this long to bring in legislation for quarantine. Yeah. You, you couldn't actually make this up if you tried. You actually well, I, well, I think, I think the biggest crime here is that she's not allowed to visit him uh, or, or go to see him. And the Absolutely. biggest crime, and we've done this to people all year, that people have watched the fathers, the mothers, the brothers, sisters, husbands and wives die with nobody beside them. Nobody. He's in, he's in there on his own now. He's in there on his own, not knowing that this diagnosis has been told to his wife because he doesn't know. And the disrespect they're shown to people that she has to go to the hallway and give these clean PJs. I'm just devastated. And I, I just I'd, say she's, I'd say she's devastated. We're all devastated and it needs mm. to stop. It just, something has to be done. The shower that are in there, having the clue and telling them something, they have no idea the suffering out there. I know we have a virus. I know all that. I'd wash the hands and stuff. What about dignity for people? Yep. In their final days, where's the dignity for them? You know? Yep. And you don't and, and, and you don't believe that Bial Martin or Stephen Donnelly 
are looking or taking into consideration the mental health of people when they're making all these decisions? No, they don't, because they don't care. I'm trying to say this for months. They don't care. They want their big fat paycheck. Now they're getting another rise. They don't care about the small man, the people that built up this country, right, are being made fools out of. A shower of incompetence looking for more money. Are we actually going to wake up as a country? Really? Come on. Well, you did. Well, I mean, people. I don't know whether you watched Boris Johnson yesterday. A lot of people are talking about it today. I and, did. and the UK, now the news this morning in the UK, there's a 337% increase in holiday bookings because people have been given hope, I suppose. He's given them hope. And that's what, it, that's, to me, is what a leader does. A leader gives people hope. You know, they give them comfort and they give them a light, at, you know, at the end of the tunnel and they don't treat their people with cruelty with these decisions. You know, mm-hmm. I have a cousin there, Sally. She's, we have a petition going for her to be allowed to go and see her daughter. She's in a care home. She's in a nursing home. And she's, the girl is only in her 30s. Mm. And she, she hasn't been allowed in to see her. But this, to me, it just tipped me over the edge that my brother's sitting there not knowing his face. I'm sorry, four. I'm so what? sorry to hear that. And, and you're right, it is cruel. It, it there's is no cruel, other word, word to describe it. It needs to be highlighted, you know. They'd, like, why can't she go in with PPE? Like, the nurses, why can't she go in with PPE? She's actually a healthcare worker, to be totally honest with you. I don't, there's, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there is no reason why she can't go in with PPE. Yeah. If doctors and nurses can go in with PPE, why can't she? Why can't she? You know? All we're short now is somebody to text him and say, very sorry to hear your news, and he didn't even know. Mm. We don't, she doesn't want him to know. She wants to be the one to tell him. Tell him, him. of course she does. Yeah. You know, give him that bit of dignity, you know? She wants to bring him home and tell him. This this needs to stop. Okay, okay, I get We you. need to shower out soon. As we need him out today. Okay, message well given. Listen, thank you thank very you. much indeed, Joanne, and I appreciate thank you coming on the air. And thank you very much indeed as well, uh, Sarah, as well, for, for uh, coming across and talking to us about education. So education, people going to visit people in, in hospitals and care homes. And this idea, by the way, and I heard only last week from somebody who uh, has an elderly person in a care home where they've all now got their second dose and they asked the care home, well, when can we go in and see them? They said, oh, well, no, that's probably not going to happen. So what's, what's the point of giving them the vaccine if you're still not going to be able to visit them? Are elderly people destined to be prisoners for the rest of their lives? And people in yesterday morning, of course, the head of the HSC, said, Paul Reid said that, you know, when elderly people get the vaccine, we'd prefer if they stick to the guidelines. Stick to the guidelines. So I'm not saying, by the way, you should break the guidelines. I'm not suggesting that for a minute. But if they've got the vaccine, the second dose of the vaccine, and they're claiming that it has a 95% efficacy, and that's that's 95% chance of you not getting it. And even if you did uh, get infected by COVID-19, that because the vaccine doesn't stop you getting infected, your symptoms will be very mild because the vaccine does that, stops you getting serious symptoms and dying. That's what the vaccine does. But then why are we, why are we destined, why are elderly people destined to be in their homes? What, what's this all about? What, at what point is this going to stop? As I said before, if I was elderly, I would rather live four or five years of quality of life, of hugging my grandchildren and going to parties and going to communions and confirmations and bingos and whatever else you want to go to than spend ten years miserable in my house on my own. Niall, really, if the government can't fix potholes down country roads... What sort of chance do they have at fixing the whole population? Nothing. <laughs> I think they're breaking the population rather than fixing it, to be honest with you. Good morning, Noel. Just want to ask you a question. Maybe you could shed a bit of light or somebody could shed a bit of light. 
I work in the construction industry and I haven't been working since the first week in January. But yeah, a lot of my friends seem to be working, but they all seem to be working on the building sites that the tech joints are or for an investment. I don't know whether it's just rumours or what, or is that somebody, something somebody could sh- shed a bit of light on? No, it's, no it's not rumours, because the tech joints, as you call them, or the foreign investment are usually, well, a lot of them are obviously are building uh, social housing. I, I don't know if any of the construction is happening, by the way, in the tech companies as such for tech buildings I think it's going to be we're going to need less of them in the future but the one thing I will say about construction it's a mess and the whole situation is hypocritical because I heard of a story where a girl who's getting a house built in the private sector was told her builders had to stop working because it's not an essential building whereas social housing is essential building the three people who then walked off her site and left her high and dry while waiting to build her house are now working down the road building another house which is for social housing so that makes no difference whatsoever. In other words, the staff are still working in that case, but they're working on a different site. That's inverted commas, social housing or necessary building. So either open them all up or don't bother at all, is my point in relation to that. You should be back working, by the way. Uh, Sean, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, no, how are you doing? Good, Sean. What would you like to say? No, just a, just a quick one for you. Look, you, you've documented, you've well documented over the last um, few months and few while, you know, the issues with associated with lockdowns, the problems it brings and this, that and the other. Yep. And they're all valid and they're all good and true. But what, what's the alternative? We know lockdown isn't there. Is there to keep um, hospital capacity okay? Mm-hmm. So they don't overcrowd the hospitals and this, that and the other. And we know that it works. If you look at the figures in January, where we're started January, three weeks into January, numbers started to actually plateau. So what's the alternative to a lockdown to, to kind of achieve that? Well... My argument to this, Sean, and I said it last week on Twitter, is that we're no different to the way we were, say, 2017, 2018, with a bad, bad flu season. And by the way, I'm not comparing flu to COVID. I'm just saying we had a bad flu season. And our hospital's capacity was uh, on its knees. I remember at one stage, Leo Varadkar talked about nurses and doctors not going on holidays. Do you remember that? He was pleading with them. That, yeah. So our, we had more people in hospital then than we do have now. And... We looked at our government and said, you guys are making a hames of the hospital service in this country, of the HSE in this country, as we have been. It's been disastrous for the last 30 years, by the way, since the regional hospitals finished. So we should have been doing something about that. I mean, we've had all year to increase capacity. And the biggest problem we have at the moment is, is we've nurses and doctors, and no disrespect to them, who say we're in close contact, not as bad now because a lot of them have got the vaccine, we're in close contact with somebody and gone home for 14 days or gone home for three weeks because they weren't feeling well because of COVID. And fair enough, if they're not feeling well, they're not feeling well, but our capacity was dropped by probably 10 to 20%. And so the biggest problem in the, in the healthcare system is the government in the first place. It's not the people. You don't turn around and say to the people, well, we can't handle sick people, so we'd rather you didn't get sick. So to stop you getting sick, will you all stay at home? That doesn't make any logical sense. No, look, I, I get you, right? You're, but you're talking about a lot of things that, that have been done wrong in the past, and even the most recent past. You're right. There should have been better plans to continue to put in place over the last year. But they weren't. So we're, we're, we are at where we're at. And in January, you know, second hell, if we didn't, if we didn't do something, if we didn't lock down, we'd have been in the quagmire, and I know we, we I know now you make the, you, you make the, 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 you know, you make. I won't say comparison with flu, but, you, but you, you know, you draw some correlation with flu there. The flu from two thousand. Yes, we get huge numbers in hospitals every year with flu. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh yeah. And that's true. There's no doubt about that. And you're right. Leo Varadkar in two thousand and seventeen talking about whatever. Don't go in hospitals. This, that, and the other. They'd rise again, right? But having said that, right? If you look at just just look at the death rate. 
you know, you're right. You, you Absolutely. Know, you, but mind you, now, now I, 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 again, I don't want to get into some sort of situation where we're comparing COVID-19 and flu because no, 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 it, no, no, it's no, a bad no. comparison. But, no, but what I will say to you is, yeah. in relation to debt rates, and we could go into a very complicated discussion on data and how we define COVID-19 and how we've always defined. Yeah. We've never mass tested for the flu, ever, right? So we, when people no. died, we've 80 people die in Ireland every day on average, right? A third of them die of cancer, uh, a third of them die of heart disease and stroke, and the rest die of all sorts of different illnesses. Right, but we never mass tested those people, for example, who died for influenza. We never tested, say, Mary who died of cancer, and said, "Let's just give her a quick test to see if she had the flu before she died." We never did that. We're doing that no, now. Nice, and I'm, you can hear me bursting to get in you there. I, again, you're totally right. But the number to look at is the excess date. Is the excess date absolutely? Rate. And three and a half thousand less people died last year than the year before. Come on, now you know that's not true. It is true. It is yes, it is true. When we had 1,500 people that they were calling that you're right, you say RT with their throwing out their numbers every night. I'll get to the figures up. before the end of the show if I can. I don't have them to hand yeah, here. But, but, but and but, maybe somebody, somebody give me. As far as I know, the figures for 2000, and, so, um, let me just give you the, the figures yeah. for 2009, was it 2019? I'm getting confused. 2019 uh, were somewhere in the region of 31,000 deaths. All right, in the year. The figures for 2020 are at 27,000 and something. Now, I don't know. I, please don't quote me exactly on those figures. No, but no, it's, no, no. But it's in the region of 3,000 less deaths last year than the year before. All right, okay. The number I, the number I, that I remember, and again, because I'm only a member, I could be well wrong. <laughs> but, but for example, when, when the death rate and when, the, when the, the, the quoted death rate from COVID-related sickness was 1,500, there was 800 excess Death there was excess death, deaths in April. Period. Yes, in April, there was excess deaths. April and March, we had excess deaths, right? More so than the year before. But then you had to look at months like September, October, August. They were all much lower. January and February were lower because we had a mild flu season the year before, in end of 2019. So what we had was a thing called mortality displacement, which means okay. that a people who naturally will die in January and February, old age and other things okay. like that, their deaths didn't happen. So they basically moved forward to March and April. That's possibly an explanation. I don't know. I'm not a, a virologist or an epidemiologist. But yeah. what? I, well, the point I'm taking is there are other ways we could tackle it. I'm running out of time. We could, for example, test all care home workers when they're going into work with antigen tests. I've been begging the government to do it for nearly a year. That could have saved or certainly elongated some lives. I, I'm running out of time. I'm not disagreeing with you, Sean. I know it's difficult to come up with the right answer. And I do understand what you're saying. It's all well and good given out about the government, but what's the right way to deal with it? And I get what you're saying. I accept that point. Uh, Gina, very quickly, I've got a minute and a half. Sorry, Gina. No, you're okay. I just wanted to talk about the effects it's having on the property market at the moment. Nobody okay. can go and view houses because of the level five restrictions, but yet they're still taking offers on houses. And the only way people can go and view the houses is to go sale agreed. So it's just shooting up the prices of the houses. So you, so you have mortgage approval? I have mortgage approval since last October, yeah. Okay. And how long does that last? Is that six it, months? It's only six months. And okay. then you have to reapply again. So the banks aren't even extending that due to the restrictions. Um, but the, the house prices are going up so high. For instance, there was a house in Ford for 310. Two days after an up, it's now at 338. Right, okay. 28,000 in the difference. And it's just, it's ridiculous why they're, they're putting such restrictions on viewing houses at the so moment. So I, I believe at the moment you have to have put a deposit before you can view the house or something like that. Or Yeah, you have to have your deposit down and have sale agreed. That's a bit daft. Da- why would you put a deposit down in a house you haven't even seen? Exactly. And, and, and it's, there's no regulations in place either. So it's just shooting up the prices of the houses completely. Like it's just such a hard market. As so there's you with your deposit, with your, with your mortgage approval and loads of houses for sale and you can't go and look at any of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's terrible. It's crazy. And I think it's the 5K as well needs to be lifted. I mean, when are they planning on lifting a 5K? I don't you get know? the 5K thing anymore, to be honest with you. And mind you, a lot they've said already that a lot of people are already breaking it anyway. But in saying that, I don't see what difference it's going to make. I don't see what difference it is making, to be honest, because people are going about their business anyway. Exactly. And even for viewing houses, what difference if two people are booking into from the same household to look at a house, to view a house? And I believe that's a necessary journey. I know the government don't, but I believe it's a necessary journey. That's your future. It's the rest of your life. Yeah, it's like they're just forgetting about people who are trying to get on with their lives. I get it. I get it, Gina. Listen, thank you very much, Nita. And I'm glad you raised that point. All right. A lot of people in that situation with mortgage approval. By the way, somebody else texted in, by the way, said they can't get mortgage approval because their partner is now on a subsidy. Uh, They could have got it uh, before they ended up on a subsidy to no fault of his own, of course. He's on a subsidy in work and he can't get mortgage approval anymore. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.